Good morning. I figured since I let you go early last week, I'll, I'll hold you late this week. I'm going to carry over that time into today. The, um, I was reading the other day this passage. We're going to read it here right now. Um, and, and it started me down this path of, of study that I think is, is important for us to recognize uh, for what we talked about last week and what we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. And, and just whatever's going on here in this world. But let's, let's start. Matthew chapter 24. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquake in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated for all na- of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. What a picture. This, this is the picture of, of today. If you look at it closely, you know, we talk about the end times and um, the many different things that have to happen for, for the end times to be near. And, and as I start looking through this list, uh, it reminds me of all the things that are, that are going on right now. I saw a documentary the other day of, of the elections that's going on in, in Argentina. Um, and, and they were talking about the, the two leaders that are, that are right now um, vying for the position of president. And, and it is so interesting to see the, the similarities between what they're going through and what we went through uh, just a couple of years ago and what we'll be going through here very soon in about a year. The, the idea of you've got this, this Democrat and this Republican, you've, you've got somebody who um, is, is staunchly on one side and then the other who's staunchly on, on the other side. Um, I, I, I was never a big fan of, of President Trump and, and the things that he was saying or doing, but, but when I looked at the policies of the other guy and, and just how diametrically opposed I was to what he believed, there, there really was no option. And, and now we look around this world and we see the exact same thing happening from leader to leader, country to country. Um, we, we saw this in the UK and now that leader has been ousted. We see this in Argentina. Um, we saw this in Brazil. We see this in Argentina with that leader and, and the, the craziness of that individual. But, but, the, but the opposition is just so much worse. And, and it's interesting to see this dynamic play out. It, we have lost leaders in this world now. It, there's no more leadership. I, I wish someone would rise up and, and bring us back to what we had before, where, where they were thinking about what's best for this country, what, where do we want to be, what do we want to do, how do we want to rise up, and, and it's not that anymore. The greed has taken over this society. And, and I say all that because there is this thought that we think 
things are going to get better. And based on the leader that we choose, things will, will start to get better and better. And, and the reality is that's not true. Things will never be better than they are right now. And that's going to be true for, for the rest of our lives. Things will not get better uh, than they are right now. We see this rise in uh, war, the war in Ukraine, the war in Israel and Gaza. We see this rise in um, the climate and the way that it's changing. And whether you believe in, in man-made climate change or that it's a natural occurrence, the, the point is that there are things happening out there in this world and sea levels rising and, and global warming, whatever you want to call it, it, there is something going on out there. The, the biggest thing to me is the dilution of the message of the gospel and, and how we no longer as a society believe in, in truth. We believe now the lie that is coming across. We no longer believe in, in the centrality of, of Jesus and, and the message of the gospel and the Bible. It's now whatever you want to believe and however you want to believe it. And oh, and by the way, I'm, I consider myself a Christian. These, these things are happening today in this world. How is that not Matthew 24? Look at Matthew 24 and how it's saying all of these things that we're seeing. The famines, the kingdom against kingdom, the beginning of sorrows, that you shall be delivered. You will be delivered to be afflicted. Are we not going through affliction right now? Are we not looking at people who want to kill those who do believe in truth and, and, and that, that believe that God is doing something in us. This, I was studying this passage in verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. This, this particular word right here, shall wax cold, I, I wanted to really understand what it meant. And as I looked at it, 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 means, it means the short breath that comes from an individual. So, so you understand there, there's a... There's a long breath, right? There's the breathing in. There's, there's life and there, there's vitality. It's not the word pneuma. This particular word is the opposite of pneuma. It's that, that tiny little breath that you have that makes things cold. So when you have soup, when you have something hot, you know, you put your spoon in there, you put your fork, and you begin to blow, right? You blow on it, and it cools it down. That's what it's talking about here, that iniquity shall be so abounding in this place that, that really the vitality and, and the relationship that people should have is just like a tiny little cold breath that you pour on your soup. It's not enough. It's, it's not what the Lord wants for us. And so then we look in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, and here's what we're supposed to be doing about it. It says, watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. We're going to talk about being ready. We're going to talk about watching. I want to talk about sobriety in, in the context of, of the scripture, not necessarily having to do with alcohol. There, there is a context there, but, but that's not the message of the day. I want to talk about what Matthew 24 means for us as, a, as individuals and as a body and what it means for us here in the future. So we're going to dive deeply into some of these words. I've got them highlighted throughout for you. Uh, follow along with me. 
Um, we're going to talk about several different concepts. I doubt it's going to take the full hour, uh, but if it does, I borrowed some time from last week, so we're all good, right? Okay. Matthew chapter 24, we read, Watch, therefore, it's the word gregario. So this particular Greek word means to keep awake, to be vigilant, to be watchful, to give strict attention. And at the surface, when you're really looking at it, it just means, hey, watch out, right? It, it could be this, this concept of you're in a place and, and you're just alert and ready and you're seeing what's happening. But as I started to dive really deep into this word and its different contexts, it, it brings, I think, a deeper meaning into what this really means for us. We're going to start here in Matthew chapter 25 um, in verse 1 and, and read about the, the wise virgins. Now, I don't have the full passage in there. I'm going to tell a, bit, a little bit of the story, but you know where it is if you want to read the full context. And you know, I'm sure you've heard the story, so you know how it goes. Um, because we have basically reached this stage where all the comforts of this world are at our fingertips. We, we can have anything that we desire. There are billionaires, there are poor people, there's a bunch of us there in the middle, and, and really what we see is this, this chasm beginning to build between the, the super rich and the super poor, and, and it's going to come to a point of, of breaking, and that's really where I see this world going, why I think it's not going to get any better. And, and it all starts here with this concept of, of wisdom, so Matthew chapter 25, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. We're going to talk about this word. It's highlighted for you, wise. Uh, it comes from the Greek word phronimos. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. You'll start to recognize uh, the word friend in there, and Pastor's been talking about friend lately for, for a long time. Uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit more, but I want you to recognize it's there. The word wisdom, phronimos. So the, the virgins uh, take their lamps, they take the oil with the lamps, and, and they begin to prepare themselves. So five uh, wise virgins, five foolish virgins, and, and they go off into the place, and they're just waiting. They're watching. Uh, they're preparing for whatever needs to happen next. And, and at one point in time, the call comes out. The bridegroom's coming. The bridegroom's coming. And, and the five wise virgins take their lamps, and they begin to trim the wick, the Bible says, and they begin to fill them with oil to prepare for the next stage. Right? They're off in the dark. They're going to have this, this lamp so that they can see kind of where they're going. It's like flashlights, essentially. And the five foolish virgins say, hey, we don't have enough oil, share some of your oil with us so that we can be prepared also. And the five wise versions say, no, we, we won't have enough. If we do that, we won't have enough for what's coming. We have enough for now, but we don't know what's coming in the future, so we need to be prepared, and so therefore we're saying no to this. So they say, why don't you go off and go buy some somewhere? There's, there's shops, there's vendors everywhere. You go get your own oil because we're here, we're settled, we're ready to go at a moment's notice. And so they leave, and then the bridegroom comes, the Bible says, uh, they open the door, and they go with the bridegroom into um, the wedding, and then the five foolish virgins catch up, and they try to get into the wedding space. Matthew 25, 11, 
Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Same word, Gregorio. This, this watch is not just about looking. It's not just about seeing and waiting. It's about preparation. It's about being ready. This is the first weapon in our arsenal of the end times is watching and being ready. The disciples were, they were supposed to be in a place where they were seeing in the spirit. So as they're walking with Jesus, Jesus is, is preparing them and he's teaching them. He's showing them all the things that they need to be doing. And, and his hope was that as they were seeing these things, that they were ingesting it into their lives. They were injecting it. They were, they were preparing themselves like you would put on armor. And, and the, the, the greatest example of this is found in Matthew chapter 26 when he is in the garden. You've read this story you, you've heard it before. We're going to read it. Matthew chapter 26. Then came Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, sit you here while I go and pray, prosukomai, yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Let me, let me pause there. We talked about spiritual warfare last week. This is that spiritual warfare. This is the example where, so Jesus is, is going to a place. He said, guys, I, I want you to come with me. I need you to see something. And he says, come with me and pray. And, and what prayer word does he use? Prosukamai, the relationship one, right? So he goes into, the Geth, into Gethsemane, the garden, and he, he says, guys, I'm, I'm going to go and pray. Watch with me. And as soon as he entered into that place, what happened? He began, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. The, the spirit of the Lord, or, or this, his spirit, I should say, that his spirit began to feel the presence of the enemy, a, a lack of the presence of the Lord, and all of a sudden, this spiritual warfare began to happen within him where he recognized that, that death was coming and he was going to have a role to play in, in, the, in the near future with sin and the balance of, of our souls and all the things happening in the heavens, all of that hit him right here when he's going through the garden in Gethsemane. We recognize that, right? He's walking into this garden, spiritual warfare begins to happen, and he became very heavy, which is why he invited these three guys to be with him. Number one, so that they would recognize spiritual warfare when it hit them, Number two, so that they could war with him uh, during this time. There, there is a spiritual preparation that happens. Remember last week we talked about um, Jesus and, and the temptation that came against him with, with the enemy, right? Satan comes to him and he offers him three things and Jesus battles him. One of those things was that this idea of sustenance. If you cause, if you, you're hungry, you've been fasting 40 days, if you tell these rocks to turn into bread... They will, they will feed you. They'll give you that sustenance. Or if you throw yourself off the cliff, God will protect you. And, and Jesus combats that. That was the beginning of this warfare right here. Jesus knew he was going to suffer. He knew he was going to die. And spiritually, he became, he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Spiritually, he became 
depressed. That's what this is here. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. What an interesting word to use. Watch with me. You've been in a prayer meeting. We've had them here. And as people are praying, they're either laying on the floor, maybe they're walking around, maybe they've got their hands raised, maybe they're in a, in a specific position praying about a specific thing for, for the nations or, or some spiritual gate or door that's been opened to them. They're seeing visions. Uh, hopefully they're not dreaming dreams at the time, but they're, they're, they're transacting business in the spiritual. So for Jesus to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come into the sanctuary here and, and Peter, I, I just want you to watch with me. It's an interesting word because it doesn't mean I'm going to pray and you're going to look, right? You with me? It, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to be doing all these things and I just want, want you to watch me do all these things. The Holy Spirit had not descended uh, on, on people yet. It was obviously Jesus was full of it. Uh, I don't believe that he was speaking in tongues at this time. So what was he saying and how was he praying? Was he was he muttering under his breath when he prayed? Was he saying things out loud in, in his language so that the others could, around him could hear? What was he doing? And, and how, forgive me for this, but how boring was it for Jesus to be praying and for Peter to be watching? Because he wasn't supposed to be looking. He was supposed to be preparing. That's what gregario means. I want you to watch and see how this works and see what I'm doing and prepare yourself because you're going to go through similar battles and I need you to be ready for those battles. So I'm going to put myself, Jesus says, in a situation where I know the enemy is going to attack me, where I know my spirit is going to be crying out. I'm going to begin to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he tells them, okay, guys, it's starting. It's starting right now. I'm, I'm sorrowful to the point of death. I want you to tarry here Wait right here and watch and pray and begin to see what's happening in my spirit. What he wanted them to do is open their spiritual eyes and see what happens. Begin to prepare your heart and your mind. And in, in verse 39, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Father, is there, if there's any other way, if there's any other way for this to be accomplished, let's, let's have a discussion on that. But it's not me. It's not about me. It's your will that needs to be done. This was the battle between his spirit and, and the flesh and his mind. The temptation that, that they say Jesus came upon, this was it. And, and he won this battle. But verse 40, and he comes unto his disciples and finds them asleep. And said unto Peter, what, what? Could you not gregario with me for just one hour? Gregario, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter, I need you to see and to learn what this looks like and how you're going to deal with it in the future because that's what I need you to be prepared for. It's coming, and this is the time for you to learn how to deal with it. Why couldn't he stay awake? because he got bored, because he wasn't gregarioing. He wasn't watching. 
he was looking with his eyes, with his natural mind. He's seeing Jesus, and he's probably sorrowful as well. He's like, I, I don't know when this thing that he said is going to happen is going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be now. Plus, I already told him I'm going to protect him. I know he rebuked me, but if he thinks I'm going to let him die, man, he's got something else coming. He doesn't understand how much we love him and how much we want to take care of him. So anybody that comes against him, we're going to take them out. And we see that, don't we? We see when the soldiers come out, come running out and Jesus saying, who are you looking for? That the, the disciples start to rise up. Somebody's ear gets cut off because they're willing to fight and defend Jesus. And so Peter's obviously thinking, I, I know you feel sad, but Jesus, you don't got to feel sad. We've got you. We'll protect you. And, and Jesus, in his mind and his spirit, is saying, this is not what I want you watching out for. There is a spiritual battle happening, and I say this to you as well. There is a spiritual battle happening for your heart and your mind against this world, and we have to be watching. And it goes right along with what we talked about last week. We have to be watching because there is a spiritual war happening. And if we look at it with our natural eyes and we think about it with our natural mind, we will not understand the true battle that we're going through right now. We have got to be watching. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. I don't believe that Jesus was trying to get out of dying. He knew he was going to die. I, I, I believe that Jesus was battling spiritually the things that were happening in the spirit and, and trying to get to a place where he was fully committed to what God was doing, the plan that God had for us. And, and thank, thank the Lord, he committed to it. And he went through everything that he went through for us to provide salvation. Let's look at 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, the word nepho, be vigilant, that word gregario, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. This, this word nepho, we're going to see it a couple of times, so let me just tell you what it means. This, this one is about abstaining from wine. It, it's basically be, be mindful of, uh, what you're consuming, it's not necessarily just about alcohol. It's be mindful of what you're allowing into your life because it will distract you, essentially. It will numb you to the things that you should be looking out for. Uh, so be sober, nepho, be vigilant, gregario, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. This vigilant gregario is be mindful of those things that are happening around you, don't just look around, be mindful. And, and the picture that they paint is, is this idea of a roaring lion um, and, and how they hunt. It's usually a female lion that comes and hunts. They, they hunt in packs, so they will take down their enemy. They're usually hiding in several areas surrounding uh, a particular prey. And when they come, they come and attack um, usually as a whole. So they'll, they'll chase down their prey one will, will eventually grab on. They usually grab on by the neck. I know this is going to get a little graphic. They grab on by the neck, um, and then they take the breath away 
from the animal in order for it to stop and, and for them to consume it. And that is this picture that we're getting here from Scripture, this roaring lion taking away the spirit in order for them to devour. First Thessalonians 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us gregario and be sober, nepho. Same words, gregario, sober. We'll see some more here in a minute. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. We read this already, but, but I, what I wanted to point out was I wanted to go back to Phronimos. So I have a picture here. Um, we can skip this, this verse, brother. There we go. Thank you. I have a picture here of the phrenic nerve. Pastor's been talking about it. I, I did some research on it because I wanted to see where it is and what it looks like. Uh, I, I took the color away and then just highlighted the phrenic nerve so that you could see it. It is essentially the nerve that comes from your, your spinal cord down along your neck and then touches the diaphragm. Uh, it is the only nerve that brings sensation and motor function to the diaphragm. When, when people get paralyzed and, and a breaking of the neck and, and it harms that particular nerve, that's why people can't breathe anymore. That's why they're, they're unable to function uh, from a lung capacity perspective, and so then they have to have a, a breathing machine or something breathe for them. Um, th this is what happened to Christopher Reeves when he was uh, paralyzed from the neck down. This nerve was severed, and so he had to have a breathing machine breathe for him. It's a very important nerve, obviously. Uh, from a motor function perspective, again, it's the only one that provides that. So if you don't have this nerve, there's two of them, one going around on each side, there's a left and a right. And, and so one does the left side of the diaphragm, one does the right, and they're in sync so that you breathe in, your diaphragm expands, uh, and then you breathe out, diaphragm contracts. Um, and, and all these things work together in order for you to have lung capacity. It, it is your mind giving capacity to your wind in order for you to live. And, and the, the picture of it spiritually is beautiful as well. It is when your mind is, is linked up with your spirit that you have life. And that's, that's the perspective we get here from this phrenic nerve. Um, it's, it's why I highlighted it here again for you in the scripture, because it's that word wise, phronimos. It's the root word of that is phren, um, we'll see it as phrono here in a second too, but phronimos is wisdom. So, so the, the translation of that when we're looking at it is that friend, phronimos, the mind and the spirit working in conjunction is what brings life. That's how we can read it when we see these. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober, Sophronio, and watch, Nepho, we saw that word earlier, unto prayer, prosuke, again, the relational prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity, agape, among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I've also put Sophroneo on there for you um, from the strong so that you can see the translation 
the, the different ways that it's translated, sound mind. So, so when we see sophroneo, it's talking about a sound mind. Phroneo is the mind. Phronimos is the extension of the mind turning into wisdom. Is everybody with me so far? Phren, phrono, is that root. And from that root, we're getting all these different words that we're going to look, like, look at here on page three. So phrono, phren, mind, and spirit working together. Sophroneo, it's, it's how it's translated into sober, uh, means to be of sound mind. And then we've got um, phronimos, which is wisdom. We're going to see that one here in a second. There's some more derivations that we'll look at here at the end. But just remember phronos, when you see that, the linking of the mind and the spirit to bring life. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Man, we're flying through this. I bet we'll be done early today too. Barry handed me that 20. I thought, I got to rush. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. Remember him? The, the Gadarene demoniac is, is how we refer to him. <clears throat> and he was crazy, for lack of a better term. He had lost his mind, according to these people, um, and, and was, was at times shackled so that they could control him, and he would break out of those shackles, not because I think he had supernatural strength, but because in, in his faculties he wasn't worried as much about pain, and, and he was very um, mobile in, in trying to get out, and so he would... He would thrash and break and, and just move about so much so that the shackles were broken and then he would run off naked into the wilderness and, and he would live among the tombs. People don't like that kind of thing because you're among the dead and there's supposed to be reverence and respect and, and all these things spiritually and so he would go among the tombs and people were afraid of him because he wasn't afraid of the tombs and so um, this man would go around, he, again, naked. He really didn't have a place to live. We, they don't know how he ate, so he probably had to eat just whatever was out there um, to, to sustain himself. And, and so at one point in time, Jesus sees him and, and begins to minister to him. And, and as soon as Jesus commands that the, the enemy leave or depart from him, they, they stop Jesus and they say, hey, listen, please don't send us into the deep. It's not our time yet. Um, can you instead allow us to go somewhere else? Hey, what about those pigs right there? And so Jesus says, okay, I command you to go into those, those swine, those pigs. And as soon as the, the and, and he calls, he says, who are you? And they say, we are legion because we are many. There's so many of us in here. We don't have a name. We are legion. <clears throat> so he says, okay, go into the pigs. And so they, the demons leave and they go into the pigs and the, the turmoil of having this demonic presence upon them uh, causes them to be crazy and scared and, and they run off over the cliff into the water and they die and then they drown. And, and the man is freed 
from this demonic influence. So where before he was um, outside of his mind, now he's in a better place. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 35, then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So phreneo, and they were afraid. He went from being this, this mindless person to being in his right mind. That's the implication of this word sophroneo. He went from chaos into this very structured way, logical thinking, into what, was, what needed to happen for his life. And so he recognized, man, I, I probably need some clothes because I'm out here uh, cold, naked, wet, dirty, whatever it might be. Romans chapter 12, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think hyperphroneo of himself more highly than he ought to think phroneo, but to think sophroneo, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. This, this word sophroneo, again, a, a thoughtful way of understanding what God is doing through you spiritually and, and physically or carnally or whatever you want to call it, and, and being in line with what, what God wants. Um, the word hyperphroneo is translated from think highly. There's a lot of extra words in there that don't show up in the Greek, but it's the think highly. It's to think above and beyond what you should be thinking of yourself. So we, we know hyper, right? When, when someone's hyper, they're crazy, they're, they're doing all these um, hyper things, hyper Freneo, hyperthinking. Don't think that way. Don't freneo that way. So freneo. Second Timothy chapter sixteen. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, dunamis, and of love, agape, and of a sophronismos, a sound mind. We're talking about warfare. We're talking about the end times. We're talking about in what way, Father, can I prepare myself for all the things that are happening right now? And the answer is right here for you, written out in scripture thousands of years ago. He has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't have to be worried about what's coming. What we need to have is the dunamis, the agape, and the sophroneo, the sound mind, the thinking in line with what the Spirit is doing. To me, that is so wonderful to see this because we think about sound mind, okay, just logical thinking, and it's not that. It's the alignment of the Spirit and your mind to do the things that God has called you to do. Matthew chapter 16. From the time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. We just talked about this. So watch it with me. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense up to me. For thou, phroneo, savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Your spirit 
and the way that you are thinking are not aligned. You are savoring those things not of God. You're not in line with those things, but you are in line with the things of men. You are thinking carnally about this situation. You're not sophroneoing about how God is doing this in a spiritual sense. Interesting, the thinking, the, that word savor is phroneo, not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Luke chapter 16. And he said also unto his disciples, there, were certain rich, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and he said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of your stewardship. For thou mayest be no longer steward. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do for my Lord takes away from me the stewardship? I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. Let me pause there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of confusion that could come from all these words. And so he says, You're not a good steward. I don't like you. I'm going to replace you. And the steward thinks to himself, I'm, I cannot go beg. I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed if I do that. I'm, I'm not a good worker. I cannot dig. And, and so I, I really can't use my hands because I've been using my mind all of this time. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a thinker, not a digger. Um, this is not going to go well for me. And so the steward said within himself, what am I going to do? My Lord is taking away this stewardship. And I'm res- I, I figured it out. He says in verse four, I'm resolved what to do when I am put out of the stewardship that they may receive me in their house. I figured it out. I know what to do when, when, I'm, when I'm kicked out. I've got to find a way to ingratiate myself with these people that owe my Lord money. That's his solution. If I can make these people like me when I'm no longer steward, then they will bring me into their house and they'll take care of me because I will have taken care of them. And so he lays out a plan to do that in verse five. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. And he said, all right, take your bill, sit down quickly and write down 50, not a hundred, 50. And I'm gonna sign it because I'm still the steward um, so this, this guy's going to think, okay, this is a, a proper transaction. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take your bill and write 80, fourscore. And the Lord commended, and he write 80, fourscore. Uh, and so he did that. And then the Bible says, and the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done phronimos wisely for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. There is a concept of cunningness to this phronimo. So, so look at what this, this steward was doing. He's, he's talking back and forth uh, with these guys, and he says, if you write down lesser numbers and give me those things, and I'll collect them, and I'll turn it in as my last offering to the Lord. And, and really what the Lord was saying is, look, you're not bringing me anything. I'm, I have all these debts that are out there that are not being collected because these people can't pay their debts. And, and what, what the Lord had caused this man to do and to realize is that less is more. 
if I can bring down their debt, pennies on the dollar essentially, if I can bring their, down their debt a little bit, then they'll actually pay it. And, and so the, the Lord of the, the house basically said, great job. You're actually doing what I want you to do, which is bring in the money, bring in the oil or, or what, the barley or whatever it is that they owe. They're not doing it right now, but the fact that you brought it down and are actually bringing in things, great job. Now, he didn't know that it was lowered. He just realized, oh, now he's actually doing what I'm asking him to do. But this word phronimos shows up, and there's a, there's a cunningness to it. So as we look to see what, what the enemy is doing, recognize that there is a cunningness that is involved with this phroneo, with this, with this link to the spirit and to the mind that the Lord wants you to have. The, the last one I want to read uh, again, just kind of highlights what friend is really talking about. But here it is in Titus chapter 1, verse 10. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, phrenopathies, especially of they of the circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lookers' sake. That word deceivers has the root word of friend. And it's talking about someone who is taking that spiritual dynamic, and it's twisting the mind of those that are listening, that those that are there in their place who are trying to follow the the things of the Lord, these people are speaking into the mind and twisting it and causing them to fall back. That's the world that we live in today. That's what we see out there right now in in the various um, concepts of Christianity that are being put forth here this twisting of the mind, this twisting of the spirit and its relationship with what God wants us to be thinking and doing. We have been talking about warfare these last couple of weeks. We have been talking about what God is doing in these end times in in today's session. We need to recognize what God is doing and be watching and be ready because it's, as, as the testimony was given today, you know, we, we think about these things from a physical and a carnal nature. We think about, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a distraction, but it's just out here in this world. And I, I would submit to you that there is a spiritual dynamic to those things that come against you. I'm, I'm not looking to be comfortable. I mean, I would love to be comfortable. The other day, the, we, I went to go pick up a, a medication, and, and the woman said it's going to cost this much. And she said, uh, that's pretty expensive. I wonder if there's any discounts. Let me see if there's any coupons. She said, what do you think? And I said, well, I would love for you to give me a coupon. That's what I think. And, and so she found it. She found a way to give me a discount on that medication. Um, I'm, in the spirit, I, I would love for the Lord to give us a discount on our physical pains or, or the things that we go through. But, but I know that we need that medication. We've got to have it. So whether we get the coupon or not, we have to be fighting for what's in the spirit right now. You need to be watchful. You need to be mindful of the things that are going on. I I've keep talking about in this season all the people that we'll be interfacing with or talking to throughout this holiday season, through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and into the new year. All the people that come out of the woodwork because we haven't seen them in so long. We'll, I'll be seeing my aunts and uncles for the first time in a long time um, on Thanksgiving as we go and, and get together at, at my brother's house. I've, I've talked to you about that before. It's just massive gathering of, of warm bodies in one place. Uh, people who 
talk about Christianity and say they love the Lord, people who uh, are, are into yoga and all these things and, and spiritual weirdness and dynamic. It's, it's a hodgepodge of, of just weirdness. Let me just say it that way. There was, I've told you this, so I'm going to say it again. There was this one time at, at one of these events where I was sitting in the living room with some of my cousins, and, and we were talking about um, prophecy. We were talking about spirituality and the Lord and, and different things. There was maybe four or five of us in there. And, and somehow the question was posed around, you know, prophecy and what it is and how it works. And, and I started to talk about it, uh, sharing my, my, or sharing scriptures, sharing my perspective. And then at one point my cousin says, well, do it, do it, do it right now. Like it's some sort of sideshow, right? She said, well, just, just do it. Show us, show us what that is. And I was like, I don't know what to do here. I, I want to be sensitive to what God is doing, but I don't want to just make it, you know, some theatric thing because it, it's not, it's, it's a relationship. So I started to pray and I was like, okay, Lord, what do you want out of this? Um, and so I, I, I said, okay, well, just give me a minute. And I just began to pray and then immediately the Lord gave me something. And so I, I turned to one of my cousins and I started to prophesy into their life and, and speak into it. Um, and then, it, it, like I said, it, was, it turned into a sideshow because then that same cousin said, okay, now do her. Okay, now do him. And it was just this thing where, okay, now, now do everybody that's in the room. So I started doing it. And, and then it was so, it was such an out-of-body experience because then at one point in time, um, I looked up and I recognized that every single person in my entire family in that whole house was in that one room. We were all in the living room and it, it extended into this open concept kind of dining area. So there was people sitting at the dining room table listening. There was a ton of people sitting on the couch and, and in that room, you know, on, on, on the floor, on armchairs, just everywhere. I looked up and everybody in my family was in that room. And, and I had essentially prophesied to almost every single one. I can't think of anybody I didn't do it to, but I can't even remember who was there. So I was prophesying and speaking into lives. And then at one point I shared with one cousin and she began to cry. And, and there was just this, this healing that was happening and, and the spirit of the Lord was in that place. And, and I remember that. I remember the feeling that I had. And I remember the feeling uh, the spiritual feeling of the Lord being there and what he was doing through me to these people. Um, I didn't have an altar call. Nobody got saved that night, but I know that the Lord was touching hearts and he was touching lives. And I know that this is what this season brings about for many people. And you're gonna be in one of these situations where somebody calls you out and says, speak into my life, prophesy to me, pray for me, talk to me about Jesus. And, and it's, it, it could be family, it could be some random person that you meet in the grocery store getting your frozen turkey and thawing it too late. It, it could be anybody, and you just need to be ready. You need to be watching. You need to be gregario for what God is doing. You need to have the sophroneo, the sound mind, the spiritual linking between your mind and your spirit of what's going on. We need to be mindful. We need to watch. And we need to be in prosuke. I've talked about that one a long time ago. I'll say it again. It is the relational type of prayer. This is, this is 
me working with you. It's not me asking you for something. It's not supplication. It's not desis. It's not me saying, okay, I, I need this, or so-and-so is, needs this healing in their body. It's not thanksgiving. This is, Father, what can I do for you? What, what can I help you with? Where do I need to be in this landscape of the, of the natural that's feeding into the spirit? Where do you want me? That is prosuke. We need to be watching, we need to be ready, and we need to be praying. That's what the Lord wants from you. And, and, and it, is, it is warfare, for lack of a better term. The enemy is coming against you. And it, he comes in such subtle ways sometimes. Sometimes it's overt. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's that pain that just won't go away and it nags you and it distracts you and it keeps you from doing those things. Sometimes you see it and it's right there in your face and you know this is the enemy. This is the enemy right here. If you're watching, you'll know. And if you're ready, you'll be able to, to, be able to attack it or withstand it like we talked about last week. And if you're praying, you'll know what to do about it. So Father, I thank you for what you're doing in us. I thank you for our team that's out there in Brazil ministering, Lord, this to those people about having the relationship, about being in line with what your spirit is saying to them in this carnal world. Father, bless them, protect them as they travel and come back to us. And Lord, for the people here and the people listening uh, online, Lord, help us to see what you want us to see Lord, don't let us be like those disciples who fell asleep while we were supposed to be watching, but let us see in the Spirit those things that are alive and are happening and we need to be mindful of. Lord, help us to be ready. Teach us how to be ready, how to trim our wicks and have to, how to prepare the oil. Lord, help us to have that relational prosuke prayer where, where we are in line with your Spirit. Father, you are doing so many things here. We thank you for them, but Lord, we, we're mindful of what they mean for our commitment, and we're mindful of what they mean for our presence with you. Touch us now, Lord. Speak to us. We thank you for it. We thank you that you trust us enough to partner with us or us partner with you. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. We are seven minutes away from 1230. Look at that. Another free time. Uh, have a great afternoon. Yeah, Barry. <laughs> have a great holiday season if, uh, um, if we don't talk until then. So God bless you.